Welcome to the Talking People and Technology Podcast. I'm Jared Cameron and joined with me is David G. How are you doing, Dave? I'm good, mate. Going well. Second podcast of the day. The marathon continues. We still haven't seen any of the attendees in this uh, conference. They must still be in session, right? They are, absolutely. So Awfully quiet. Hence, we've got a little bit of hush here, apart from our buddies over here at Indeed, who are the loudest job board on the planet. Yeah. By- Virtue of what we can sense here. They do really well, actually. Yeah, so look, for those of you that haven't been uh, listening along to the marathon, we're at the Australasian Talent Conference here in Sydney. Uh, great event. And uh, we're joined here by a uh, good buddy of, of ours, uh, Mike Derwin, who's COO at Adepto. How are you, Mike? I'm fantastic. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Jared, for uh, the invitation to be here. It's very exciting. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving life at the moment. There's some great yeah. stuff happening and it's just a great time to be in business um, and, uh, and doing some cool stuff with the contingent gig economy. Yeah, awesome. That's no, a great, uh, great space to be in. Anything related to HR tech right now, it's flavour of the month. Forget fintech, forget all that e-commerce <laughs> yeah, jazz. Tech, Who cares pan. about big data? No, no, yeah, no one. Screw oh. that. Internet of things? Yeah. Who cares? Mike, you mentioned the gig economy. I, I did. Mean, that's a, that's you know, one of those sort of buzzwords we hear a lot of. And tell us a bit about you know, Adepto and how you guys fit into the gig economy. Yeah, sure. So, so let, let's, go, let's do a little history lesson, go back in time. Um, inherently, we've always had a gig economy. It's, it's, it's going way back to when, whatever you want to believe, when you know, humans started populating the planet and, mm. and working as trade people, where yep. they would literally trade and work or with each other. some other certain professions back in those early <laughs> in, days. Indeed. The oldest profession on earth, yes. is that what you're referring to, Dave? So, Consulting. <laughs> Come on, guys, let's not let it drift too low too early. <laughs> so, so, you know, to me, human beings are inherently agile, and part of what we're seeing, I think, play out now in the workforce is how do businesses respond when um, the people who they engage uh, employ or, or interact with on a professional level are increasingly wanting to do things on a non 40 hour I'm a, a person who, for tax purposes, works only for you. So mm-hmm. I think we're seeing an emerging um, economy, and I think, uh, from from my recollection, the stats are it's growing at, at, at a percent to 2% per year, depending on which economy you're in. And uh, and the trends are, I think some industries are tracking at around 30, 30%, 40% contingent workforce. Mm. So it's, it's definitely a thing. That's yeah. large, isn't it? Yeah, and I don't see it going away. In fact, it's only becoming increasingly popular. And certainly over the last 20 years, the stats that I've been looking at have shown um, certain industries, professional services in particular, people are just looking for something different and they want to have that flexibility and workforces who I think are going to remain uh, with a, a competitive value proposition to their people have to entertain the idea of having a contingent worker value proposition, not just an employee value proposition. That must pose some challenges for the, you know, a traditional organisation that they're used to having people that do a nine to five and a forty hour week, and they, so to speak, own them. You know, they don't really, but you know what I mean. They're sort of used to having the same workers doing the same jobs. You know, absolutely. So, so we we at Adepto have have had an interesting lens, and I think it's, it's is it worthwhile just thirty seconds on who we are and what we yes, do? Yes, please. I'm so. sure there's people outside of us that don't know you from a bar of soap yet. So, so who 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 is Adepto? What is Adepto? So. Uh, Adepto is uh, uh, the result of uh, the merging of um, uh, founder Chris Milligan and myself, co-founded uh, Adepto, and it's a, the problem we solve in Adepto is how do organisations better attract, manage and engage a contingent workforce? Mm. But we tend to look at contingent a bit differently. To us, the traditional definition of a contractor is 
it makes sense. But when you look at the word contingent, what it actually means is surplus to demand. Yeah. So in right. big organisations, you've got left hand and right hand. Mm-hmm. You know, business unit one, business unit two. They could be geographically separated. They could be functionally separated. It could be the PL that separates them. But fundamentally, when you've got what we call a latent capacity surplus, in other words, you've got an analyst in one uh, business unit or one geography and another business unit who needs analysts. Mm. So what does that other business unit do? Does it go to the market and pay, often to be reintroduced to people it already knows and Mm. pay a margin or a fee to that service provider? Yeah, that's one way to do it. We see a gap in the market that says, you know, it asks the question, why should you pay to be reintroduced to people who you already know? Mm. And and we don't necessarily want to see industries, um, you know, disadvantaged by what we see as um, a business model that is kind of perversely incentivized to get in the way of you and your talent. Yeah, mm. interesting. Um, and it's, it's, it's always been interesting for me as well, uh, having worked around the HR technology space for 20-odd years now. <clears throat> one of the, the biggest blind spots that we've seen are uh, you know, workers who are not on the payroll. Mm. You basically don't exist in the frame of reference Yep. in organisations from a talent perspective. So as the world's moved more to a talent-centric yeah. mode of operating, we've, you know, most HR technology now only still cares about people who are on payroll because yeah. they were designed to manage people who are being paid. That's right. So perhaps if you can talk about the bridge that you can create to help sure. solve that. So, so the, the first-hand experience that, that we had, so I was working in an executive capacity and I was dealing with a number of uh, service provider, uh, brokerage firms, you know, recruitment services, and I remember being uh, quite proudly one day, I remember being pitched to by a uh, service provider who uh, I was looking for a resource who said, oh, um, hey, this gentleman's work, working in your organisation right now. And, and it just struck me right then, I'm thinking... <laughs> yeah. I'm being pitched to by someone who's trying to sell me a person who is actually working in my organisation already. So what happened is... What um, is wrong with this model? Yeah, yeah well, everything. And, and part of me thought, you know what, I'm happy to pay this because it should be my stupid tax penalty yeah. because I don't know this person. Yeah, that's a good um, So Stupid tax penalty, I'm writing that down. So, on, and, and hey, you know, in Australia, it's a $12 billion industry, right? Yeah. So... Um, so when, when we sort of sat back and looked at that, Chris, Chris and I, you know, I was working, I had my consulting firm and I was doing some boutique stuff for organisations. I was on a secondment to this particular organisation. I was client side, so I was dishing out millions of dollars to consultancies and, and um, um, to recruiters. And I just thought, wow, this experience is really inconsistent. I get different formats. Some have pictures, some don't. Some have rates, some don't. Some don't even have the same font. Don't even Some don't even look like this from the same organisation. And then, lo and behold, now I'm being introduced to people who my business knows, but I don't. Yeah. So what we thought is maybe there's a way that we can create a network, a collaborative talent pooling mechanism that says, well, if I want to send um, a, you know, a job request to, to Jared... How would I how would I capture Jared? Because when he, when he doesn't fundamentally sit in my HR or payroll system, um, how, how do I get to him? So what we want to do is we want to put we want to bring the humanity back to software HR tech, and let's put the organisation in the middle. Why can't an individual have what we consider their their equivalent of a digital filing cabinet? And let's wrap the services around that person, and then let the HR tools and processes enablers be centric to that individual rather than individuals complying to HR systems being centric to the business's needs. Beautiful. Mm. So, so we set about building that software. So we started about two years ago. We're in our third iteration of that software. We um, learned a lot on the way. We've spent 
an extraordinary over seven figures between us on the, on this, and we've just secured um, over a million dollars worth of investment from some, from a really nice cohort of um, interested and keen uh, investors. So our, mm. our software as a service, Adepto, uh, is now um, going uh, to the next level. Mm. Which is great. That's awesome. And obviously I've been um, privileged to be a part of that journey um, as, as part of your advisory group and, and it's awesome working with you guys. I love the energy that you guys have, but you've, you really know what your problems are, what the problems are you're solving. And, and I, you know, I think that's a, a, a really critically important part of the puzzle because there's a lot of good ideas out there, but they tend to be solutions looking for problems. Yes. Yes. And, and one of the challenges, I think, with HR tech, and this is certainly because it's relatively burgeoning, is you've got, you got the typical big players, your Oracles, your SAPs. They do awesome stuff. They do great work. And what we wanted to do was to look at it in a slightly different way, which was how can we not only flip the business model or the service delivery model, which puts the people back in the middle, but how can we actually flip the transaction and the business model? So we don't take a margin off the transaction. So think of it more like accessing um, a Google environment or a Microsoft environment. You pay your subscription each mm. month for the 365 Office 365 version. Google or Microsoft, they don't care how many documents you write or how no. many PowerPoints. Mm. So our point of view is we're the same. We're yeah. going to provision what we call a capability brokerage enabler. People can engage with that as often as they like and do as many transactions as they want. And if someone wants to forward a job request onto someone else, mm. our view is they should be able to do that free. Mm. And then where our value proposition comes in is if that service is worth it, then the market will vote for us by choosing to subscribe and that's what will keep us in business. And either we'll live or we'll mm. die by, our, by that logic. And, and our view is that's a very competitive value proposition mm. because it makes our cost predictable. It sits there within the OPEX of a business. We're not going to scale um, or be into them for extra fees. Um, and then, um, and it's by the month. So if they're getting value, yep. great. If they're not, flick the switch. switch. Flip the switch, exactly. Uh, or, or on your iPhone, you just you hit it till it wobbles and you go... <laughs> <laughs> like that. Swipe left. You never know it, it never should, to it, see it, it again. It should be that simple though, shouldn't it? Like it should yeah. just be like deleting an app. Absolutely. You know? why, shouldn't, why couldn't it be? Now... You know? um, I, I love the way that vendors, particularly startups, um, like to bring new three-letter acronyms to the table, and you've just done that beautifully for us. So we've now got a new sector of HR tech. It's called CBE, Capability Brokerage Enabler. Enabler. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. There's going to be 35 of them by next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of, well while, while, we're, while we're on the record here of talking acronyms, we actually are... Um, <laughs> We, we believe we're going to see in the next um, – so if we look at it from LinkedIn and if we look at it from you know, Facebook, social media's point of view, those guys have done fantastic jobs chaperoning and, and really socialising human beings into mm. a new way of interacting with software and often for free with yeah. great user experience. Yeah. So we at Adepto thought, why can't we bring – as part of bringing the humanity back and putting people in the middle, why don't we make the user experience like comparable to your social experience? Mm-hmm. So our view is – you know. Let's make that a compelling part of the offer. Keep it as simple as we can, make it sexy. But at the same time, you know, why can't we allow people to co-design and collaborate with us? Yeah. So we work heavily with our, our clients and prospects to design part of it. So we have a very core feature set, which is, well, this is kind of how it works. But then we have a configurable component as well, which says, well, if you would like it to work that way, then that's great. You can come into the ecosystem. There is only one Adepto ecosystem in that sense. And then we can create spaces within those talent pools, networks, and people can choose to engage or not. And mm-hmm. they can control. And if people aren't in the Adepto ecosystem, they can be 
pulled in and then all of a sudden now people can interact across organisations. Now, when we look at uh, the four-letter acronym that I'm about to spring on you, <laughs> four-letter, four-letter mate, I'm taking it next level here, is, is what we call the IRMS, which is the Industry Resource Management Solution. So, in other words, when we look at connecting organisations across borders, not just necessarily within that organisation. So we can connect, say, for example, a health service provider with, say, um, their um, third-party providers and their clients. And you think about an aged care sector where you've got, you know, carers, the actual end-user clients in, in, say, a home or a hospital. You've got the third-party providers like the physios or the OTs. Yeah. And then you've got the actual person who runs the organisation. That's an industry. So Adepto, yep. what it wants to do is help get underneath and, and, and get out of the way on one hand, but then get underneath with its capability brokerage and form what we call an industry resource management solution, an IRMS. You know what? Um, when we've talked to some clients out of New Zealand around some of the challenges they face. They've got a real, there's a real resource shortage around mm. some really key skill sets right. around tech and HR. And um, what they all say to us is we have to share resources with other people. Yeah. And so mm. they're doing what you're describing, but they're doing it manually. You know, yeah. they're, they're just calling up their network and saying, I really need a business analyst that knows something about HR tech. Have you got someone? Can we have them for a day a week or two? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a crazy thought that they're having to try and broker Absolutely. it that way. but. I guess that's part we're, of what and we're your seeing. Offer is, we're right? seeing a lot of that, and I've got to take my hat off. As much as we like to hang it on the Kiwis, I've got to take my hat off them. They're a resourceful and innovative bunch. Yeah. You know, they have to be because they're starting from such a you know oh. so far back. <laughs> 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 well, you know, uh, you know, across the ditch, all sorts we're of things happen. Of you in time zone, so. Um, <laughs> so, so one of the things that I reckon is um, is paying attention and looking for patterns. So, because we've come from client side, like you know, we've been candidates, we've been providers. We've been in the recruitment game, and, and we've run we've run companies. So we we believe that gives us that sense of empathy, which is really important for having user centered design. So how do we look at what actually goes on, what we call out in the wild, and when and when we see things going on out in the wild, what would we do if you know? I, I, I'm a firm believer that software is awesome. However, it's not the only thing out there. So what is it that we can do to help take analog processes and and techniques and methods and augment them and enable them with technology? So we're not necessarily trying to replace everything with tech. But where we can, let's have a good crack at it. But then let's at the same time expedite what's done you know, analog and, yeah. and word of mouth is one of the things that humans love. Sitting down, having a couple with someone is—I don't see that going away any time soon. Replace it, can you? But how do we help enable it and do it quicker? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, analog is a wonderful thing in this digital world. <laughs> we uh, increasingly are looking at ways to to bring bring back the human side. And I've got uh, some good buddies who've got this awesome product called Fuelbox. It's a bunch of cards, yeah. like Trivial Pursuit cards, that are aimed to foster conversations. I'm going to use one of those now All to right. foster some additional conversation here. <laughs> this is from the Innovation Box, um, and I'm in the strategy section. So, uh, right. Mike, you ready for I'm, this one? I'm, all right. I think I'm ready. Yeah. What characteristics and behaviour should we encourage amongst our colleagues to promote more innovation? That's a cool question from the innovation box. Yes. Okay. So I'm a fan of innovation. Now, do you know what's interesting is there's a couple of questions that I think we can do. And, and what I'll do is to, to help me answer that, I'm going to actually start with one of my favourite questions, which is when I get to an organisation and, 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 and I often still do some consultancy and advisory in this kind of future of work space, one of the questions I like to put to them is if someone has a good idea in this organisation... What do they do with it yeah, exactly? Where, where does it go? Yeah. Where does a good idea go to get oxygen around here? Mm. Yep. And so for me, 
you know, well, first of all, so let's go to first principles. So the key word in there for me is innovation. So first of all, what is it? So innovation to me is taking a good idea and giving it legs so that it has some kind of tangible output and benefit. Now, that could be a financial benefit. It could be a, uh, you know, altruistic benefit. Someone somewhere goes, that's a good idea. I want a part of it. So the question, I guess, is so what characteristics or behaviour? Now, as cliche as it sounds is informing people, making them aware of where they go with a good idea, I think, is number one. So whether that's through uh, uh, some kind of a website or a tool, for me, my favourite thing is what's the one-page brief that an individual could pick up and go to their boss and say, hey, look, I've got this great idea. I've answered the four questions in the one-page brief. And by the way, I think this could get legs. So I think that's the first thing. It's something tangible, simple to consume that I know what to do with it. So I think that's the first one. Plan on a page. Plan on a... Exactly. Mm. Um, The next thing around is, you know, to then encourage the behaviour. I think what human beings like, and and I see it in a lot of organisations, is they struggle with their decision-making velocity. Okay, and often mm. decision-making velocity is because we try to think too big too quickly. So the second thing I would say is having an iterative and adaptive framework, mm. an agile approach, which says, how do we emphasize value delivery quickly here? Break it down into a chunk, identify the key things of value, and get that in the hands of someone who cares and can add an opinion. Now, the corollary of that is, sad to say, most ideas aren't necessarily good ideas. They're pretty shit, right? <laughs> so people need to know that a good idea is going to get legs, but equally yep. they need to know that a dumb idea, just because an executive or someone senior came up with it, shouldn't be given more oxygen just because someone came up with it. Yep. So people need to know that dumb ideas will be put to bed quickly. Good ideas will get ox- oxygen. But at the same time, there's that little middle ground there, which is a sick idea. How do we recover a sick idea? Right. Um, and most businesses, having been a consultant for a long time, and I do a lot of stuff with some of the big firms still, you know, there is so much brain power walking around unleveraged in organisations, yeah, yeah. you know, particularly and looping back to the future of work, you know, a, a, a busy engineering mum who went off and, you know, had babies and raising the children, they're big enough, they want to come back to work. Well, how does that make... You can't tell me that that person hasn't had the benefit of time out thinking, but that engineering Fresh firm eyes. who hired... Hmm. Yeah, who hired that person? How do they manage to keep their arms around that person while they're on parental leave? Mm. So, mm. you know, there's there's actual mechanisms that aren't just about giving the good idea oxygen or, or encouraging the behaviours to help, you know, identify and, and expedite good decision making. It's also about the enabling systems that go at the end of the day. Mm. People is where a lot of the innovation comes from. Yeah. So how do we help keep them connected into a business ecosystem when they may be by virtue of our relatively um, slow-moving taxation laws, force people into certain engagement and employment models. So the big thing, and I'm going to have a small rant for 20 seconds, which is we've got to get um, legislation and statutory things serving us better. I'm a big fan of compliance, but often it gets in the way. So I see a big thing is that the, the mechanisms that help slow down innovation... We, we have to create wiggle room within those legislative environments and I'd love to see Australia um, play its role there and lead mm. the world because we have such clever thinking but it often just leaves and goes yeah. somewhere else where it's easier. Yep, so absolutely. we don't and foster it well enough. Or yes, so rant over on that. No, that's, uh, I think that's an important <laughs> rant and it's probably something that we should pick up again um, at another stage. I've got a lot more with that. We might on. need red wine um, <laughs> and to bring a few politicians in and beat them up as well. Um, yeah. Well, but they're no. part of the solution as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think, look, the political cycles are the problem here too, aren't they, right? That, so yeah. um, how do you sustain a, a policy that's actually going to see us through a transition from old yeah. you know, old industrial era thinking to the new world, yeah. new way of uh, work? So, yeah. 
We don't have time, unfortunately, to explore that any further. Is that right, Jared? You're yeah, we have run out of here. time. But you have opened an interesting topic that's certainly one that some organisations, I think, have addressed yeah. really well in trying to pull that knowledge and bring it into their organisation. But I think it's a really fundamental challenge for, for a lot of organisations. Mm. Maybe but something we could... Means we're going to have to have, or, we're gonna have to have you back at some yeah, stage to explore oh, further. So explore that one, and it can be an, it could be a podcast all in itself. Yeah, yeah. look forward to it. So yeah. thanks, thanks to Fuelbox for sparing us. Thank you, Fuelbox. It works. Fantastic, fantastic, awesome. Well, thanks for your time, Mike. Really good to catch up, and uh, you're you're traveling the world so much, you guys at the moment. So we are fine being in the same city at the same time is an <laughs> awesome opportunity. <laughs> it is so. nice, and it's a great country to be in. So thank you, Dave. Thank Cheers. you, Jared. Let's see you again. Right. Thanks, Mike. Bye.